Chưa trả lời. I'm really feeling the abundance vibes today, guys. You can tell we're going to talk about money because I used three tea bags. That's so unnecessary. That's what I wanted. <laughs> okay. Let's do this. Okay, can you guys confirm if you can see the slides before I begin? Just dropping an emoji in the chat if you can see them. I'm gonna let my hair down because we're recording. <laughs> And it looks better for the Zoom recording for you guys. Not that you probably care what my hair looks like. Um, I can tell you my hair definitely needs a wash today. Okay, amazing. 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 You can tell it's day three and I'm slightly hysterical because all I've done is think about love and money and teach love and money for three days. <laughs> okay. So we guys know the premise of Love and Money. We know this is evergreen. We know the privacy policies and we know the giveaway. We will be announcing the giveaway winner on Monday. So if you haven't entered the giveaway and you still want to over this weekend, for example, if you're watching the replays, all we need you guys to do is share the visual and tag me. You can do it as many times as you want. And then always make sure that you put your name on the giveaway thread um, and however many times you've shared it. So we enter your name correctly, okay? The giveaway winner earns 20 minutes with me, which bear in mind, my private client rate starts at 120,000 a year. Um, Pretty good, pretty good giveaway, guys, giving it that greater context. Um, if you guys want to share an aha or a breakthrough, I know someone said that they wanted to share a post. Um, all of those things are counted as a giveaway, um, but they're not necessary because we want any shares always to be authentic and natural for you guys. We don't want you to feel that you have to force something that is not true to you, okay? That is never the goal. Yay, okay, amazing, Sandra. So we will have a bonus Q&A session. I haven't decided what time on Monday. Monday. Um, I just want to make sure that you guys really get the opportunity to consolidate and ask me all the questions. I know Lee had lots of questions um, to answer all the questions on Monday. It will probably either be 11 or 3 um, throughout the weekend. Um, so if you do have questions, get them to Tamsin. That's the appropriate place. Tamsin's inbox, okay? Questions are in Tamsin's inbox, or you can just throw them in the group. Actually, maybe Tam, it could be your inbox. And if you just throw um, a post into the group now saying questions, and we can start collecting that. Amazing. So we can really go in those things because I know Lee on Wednesday was asking some really incredible questions that are just going to open your understanding. I want to remind you that there is no question that is too simple. There is no question that is stupid. We love that you bring your questions and I love it because it means that we go on tangents that I may not have thought of. But if you've got the question, the chances are someone else in the group will too. Okay. So guys, I wanted to come back to coaching and relationships and the art of difficult conversations just for a little bit, just for a teeny little bit before we go on to energetics and, you know, financial thermostats and hypnosis and, you know, polarity and relationships and all of these gorgeous, yummy other things. OK, um, because there are a few things that I wanted to say yesterday. Um, I think yesterday was a lot of information. So I've just kind of broken it down and finishing what I wanted to talk about yesterday today. So how many of you guys have heard of The Four Agreements? It's Toltec Wisdom. It's a book. Who's read it? The Four Agreements. Okay, we've got, yes. Hi, Camille, darling. 
Yes, I have. Yes. Hello. I've never heard of it. Okay, brilliant. So the Four Agreements is a really interesting book. It's Toltec Wisdom. So it's shamanic roots. So obviously that is in resonance to what I believe and kind of the philosophy that I live with in my life. And I think that if we apply these four agreements to our difficult conversations when we're navigating them, it's really, really profound. Okay. And so I want to go through these quickly with you. And this is something that you guys can print if you need something to come back to, to just kind of remember um, whilst you do navigate these things in your business and your life and your romantic relationships. It's a little bit of a tool. Okay. So the first agreement is, and I want you guys to know that when this book was written, it wasn't about relationships. It was about life. Right. But I want to apply it to relationships today. So the first agreement, and I think this is so, so important in business, okay, is to be impeccable with your word. Do you know what builds trust in relationships? Doing what you say you're going to do. Right? And I'm talking about the relationship with yourself, right? And the relationship with others. So let's talk about relationship with yourself. People have this idea that confidence is built because you're just a confident person. And actually, we actually build confidence through keeping promises to ourselves, through taking action, through experiencing. We don't build confidence by doing mantras and not doing anything. We'll build confidence through following through through our commitments. The reason that I'm a confident business owner is because I have a history of years where I've said and followed through, made a commitment and followed through, right? This is a pillar which I live by. And this is really important in business, the relationship with yourself and love relationships, romantic relationships right? If you build trust to, with yourself through following through with your word, do you think you build trust with others? And this is actually why it was so hard for me to restructure the business. <laughs> we knew that it was something that we had to do, but I was terrified because I was like, people joined with one thing and we're going to give them something else. And so that's why Tam and I spent a really long time discussing it. And we still kept to, and you guys will see, even though we're not doing lives, you do get the same amount of hours with me. It's just through intensives. It's a different structure, but the commitment is still there, right? Because I live by this. I do what I say I do 90% of the time. We're human and we're always trying to put that percentage up and it's not about perfection, which is violence towards the soul but we do want to be aiming for that 100%. That means that when we do fall down, we're only falling down to 98%, 90%, not 30%. Your words are sacred. Your commitments are sacred, right? What is it like to be the person that always follows through? And if you're a business owner, people buy when they trust you. You know, in sales, people are like, oh, how do you sell? How do you sell? What's the perfect strategy to sell? Well, let me tell you something. 
how you show up online, whether you follow through for your clients, if you care about your clients. People feel that consciously or unconsciously. Be impeccable with your word in the book is more about like only saying things that you want to create, but I want to take it further for this greater context of business and relationships. Be the person that when they say something, right, you know that they're going to do it. Four and a half years ago, I told my friends, and I was very much in a hippie circle then. I told you guys I was making about 400 euros a month. And I told them, I want to make a million, of which I have now. And my friends looked at me, even then, guys, and they said, anyone else would say that, and I wouldn't believe them. You say that, and I know it's going to be true. Why? Because their experience of me was not all right and they follow through. Be that person. The most successful people in the room are those people. The people that implement. The people that take seriously their commitments and their responsibilities. You're gonna build trust with people. You're gonna make more sales. You're gonna have healthier business relationships because your team's gonna trust you. If you don't follow through with what you say you're going to do, do you think your team's going to trust you? Do you think people are going to want to keep you on their team if they have to check up on you? Because you're doing things or not doing things? I trust Tamsin with my life. Because there are less than probably five times in our working relationship, which is just under three years, that Tamsin has not followed through. And it's always been because we've just been hit with an avalanche of work. There is not something that I wouldn't trust Tamsin within the business, literally. She has access to every single one of my bank accounts. She knows what's happening in every single part of the container. But I can tell you something, Tamsin would still not be working on the team if the gap between her saying something and doing something was big. Tam is, and I'm actually gonna say something really bold, which is probably a bit insane, one of the most indispensable people in my life. As in like, I actually don't know what I would do with Tamsin. I would suffer as much Tamsin leaving the business as I suffered with my breakup last year, if not more. Because she has consistently, consistently, consistently followed through since I met her. You guys don't know this, but Tam studies everything behind the scenes. She's watched every live. She implements every practice. That's why Tamsin cannot have an intestine and look like how she does today. Tamsin is 42, by the way, guys. Sorry, Tamsin. <laughs> She's nothing less than extraordinary. And she lives this law impeccably. Because it takes a certain kind of resilience to die. Tamsin died at seven years old. And be where she is today.
there would be no the school of IH if Tamsin wasn't here with me. Tamsin and I have had a working relationship for three years. Can you imagine the things that we've gone through with the business in those three years? And break up here, break up there, life drama here, family here, things, things, things. And we only get stronger. And so I really mean what I say in the stuff that I teach around relationships and business. I'm just going to read the chat because I think there's going to be love. My secrets. <laughs> Sorry, Tamsin. Tamsin's like, my age and my intestine situation are my secrets, Hannah. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, Natalie says, I believe it wholeheartedly and I don't believe, and I don't nearly have the same amount of experiences with her yet. Yeah. Daniela is saying, I made a commitment to myself to do a seven-day fast. I'm currently on day six, and this has built a lot of self-trust and self-reverence. And I found, though, uh, I found through that it's it having a deep why was important to me. Yes, having a deep why. Yes, of course. But do you know what's even greater than a deep why? It's just being the person that is that, because then it's never an effort. It's an ever an effort to follow through. If you are just the embodiment of that, if that becomes your identity. Tamsin, you're incredible. Oh my God, no way. I thought you were my age, stunning you. So much love on here. I can see that strong relationships and that's what I'm working on. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, I'm going to stop embarrassing Tamsin now. Tamsin's yeah. <laughs> like, we're done with the random segment where Hannah only wants to speak about me. It happens sometimes. We never know when it's going to happen, but when it does, it really does happen. <laughs> okay. Big, big things, guys, can happen in our life when we're committed and we're the being of that in every area of our life. And we all have that potential. The second law, the second agreement is to not take anything personally. I hope if you took one thing from day one and day two is that in relationships, nothing is as it meets the eye. Like, do you know what I mean? Like looking at shadow, looking at the difference between fact and story, the, f the, f the fact that feelings aren't facts, like we can't take things personally. Right? Someone has a wild story about them in your head, about you in their head, you can't take it personally. This is going to save you a lot of suffering, guys. Right? It's a big, big law for relationships. I just want to check the chat. Tam says, my favorite phrase is, what's the alternative if I don't do Y, uh, X, Y, Z? Well, the alternative for Tam would be hospital or disability or all the things, right? The alternative for us in business is not getting what we want, which some of us might be fine with that. But, you know, if we're really plugged into our soul's mission, then. The third law is don't make assumptions. So I hope, again, these are the really two things that have landed with you guys most. Like, don't take anything personally and don't make assumptions. Like, what do we do to not make assumptions? We ask questions, right? The importance of difficult conversations is because, you know, people have stories in their mind and stories aren't fact. 
ask lots of questions to see what's really going on. Like, I know this is itchy. Um, Trying to give you an example. Someone's off with you one day and you can just feel they're off. What do we do? We create a story in our head that that person hates us and blah, blah, blah. It's an assumption where we could just ask, hey, is everything all right? And they could be like, oh, I just didn't sleep last night. It's like what we talked about yesterday. Someone comes to you in your container and they're like, I want a refund because it's just no longer my vibe. We know that doesn't mean anything. We can assume it's because they hate our work and we're terrible human beings. Or we can be like, well, what's actually happening underneath that for you? Only when we ask the right questions, can we see, oh, is this legit a thing with my service? Which if it is, like, we tweak that. Or is this person going through a movie in their mind? Asking questions requires courage. It really does. But it's always, always going to serve you. When my partner and I weren't so connected, I asked him, do you need, what do you need to share with me right now? So I feel connected. Yeah, amazing. Amazing. And I always ask Craig, I'm like, do you feel loved? He thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> and it was really lovely. We sat down the other day and he, he does men's work and, you know, we went for dinner and we've been really prioritizing, like I've said, like this beautiful love time and going to comedy nights and going for dinner and renting spas and doing these beautiful things. And he said to me, and it was really beautiful. And he said, Han, you know, when people were talking about their relationships, I realized how grateful I was for you because, you know, you all the time ask me, do you feel loved? Like, how could I meet your, like, like all of these things. And he's like, well, I just feel so grateful that you care enough to ask those questions. So people like it when we ask questions because it means that we care. Even if it could be a bit of an icky, awkward conversation, right? And the final law is always do your best. And again, this is something that I live by. Like, I want us to understand that our best changes day to day. There are some days where my best is like lying on the bed and crying like a little slug. <laughs> and there's some days that my best is like taking on the world. But here's an interesting thing about money. Because a lot of people come to me because they want to work on money. We make the corresponding amount of money of the value that we give to the world. I make a lot of money because I, I, I work. <laughs> And I'm always teaching and I'm always serving and I'm always caring and I'm always refining my craft. And I'm always, you know, I give a lot. You want to make more money than you're making right now? This is a law in the science of getting rich. Be bigger than your current place. If you're in a job, be bigger than that job. Don't wait for the promotion to be bigger than that spot. Again, Tamsin always goes above and beyond what I expect of her. Tamsin's networking for the business right now. I didn't ask that for her. She set up her Instagram so she can network and people can see about the business. Why is she indispensable to me, right? When Tamsin started, she only worked two, three hours a week. Now Tamsin is, as you guys know, the person that I'm closest to in the business, the one that is the core with me. 
because she's always gone above and beyond what's expected of her in that moment. That's why her wage always goes up. That's why she's the one in the team that when we go to luxury weekends, she gets that too. And I'll pay for that happily. That's why she's the only team member that comes and stays at the house for weekends and time periods together. It's not a coincidence. And we're sometimes so scared to give because we're like, what if I don't receive? And it's not about that. It's like, do I get to be the person that is like, great. And letting go of where it comes through. You know, I give a lot of free work and I always make money back, not necessarily through those people. So it's just things for you guys to contemplate, okay? These are really just little things for you guys to contemplate. I'm going to check this. Makes sense. The energy you put out, you receive back. Yeah, Natalie, you've just taken a lot of blah, blah that I said and put that really succinctly and beautifully. That's amazing. I'm going to repeat that again. That's fantastic. The energy you put out, you receive back. 100%. Not through the same people, not necessarily always in that moment, right? Actually, I'd like that posted in the group. If Tam, you could just post those words in the group because that's so potent if we can get that. So it's like, you want to make more money. How can you be more? It's not necessarily do more even. It's like be more. So for me, mastering my craft is being more. Because it's like I'm honing my level of excellence. I'm honing my level of excellence, not in this perfectionist way of you'll never be enough. But in this way of like, you know, if I'm going to charge 40K for a mastermind or 120,000 for a year mentorship, I need to be able to back that in consciousness and substance. Right? Studied this work for 11 years. I live it and I breathe it. So just an awareness of self and there, in that. Right? These are the pillars. And I was really sat with this this morning. I was really thinking to myself, if I could summarize the things that I think are important in navigating challenging conversations, right? I think the first thing is to listen. And this is the thing that, you know, comes up, you know, we sometimes make assumptions and we don't ask the questions and we don't listen because we've got a story in our head and it's actually might not be coherent with reality. And so listening is essential, especially if you're a service provider. You need to be able to receive feedback, not with rage, right? With listening, because you might get something in that feedback that really supports you to take your business to the next level. So this is the open heart, right? But then in that listening, you might hear, oh God, this person's just in the story. So we can't take that on. How do we know a person's in the story and they're trying to project it on you? The language that they use. It makes me feel this way. It's not fact. Feeling is not fact. We are not responsible for people's stories in their mind. Right? So this is where we have to have challenger energy. We have to be so like grounded in ourselves that someone can come with something, right? And they can be like, I feel like this. And I feel that when you do this, I feel this and do, 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 do. And you don't take it on. Because then if you take on everyone's truth, 
you know, it's going to be even more shadow work. You're going to be shutting even more doors to that mansion of the house of which you are, right? In order to please these people, you're going to lose your mind. So it's listen, it's open heart. Listen for the facts, listen for what's true. And permission to filter out what's not, thick skin, right? Ask questions, open heart, don't make assumptions. Beware of projection, thick skin. Know what's your responsibility and what's not. Get that printed up, right? That's why I did that graph for you guys so you can see it. Listen for fact and feeling. That's thick skin. Be love, right? Love isn't people pleasing. Love isn't I will sacrifice all of my needs for you. I will change and be who you want me to be. That's not love. That's people-pleasing. That's rescuer energy. That's smother mother. No. Love listens, but isn't manipulated. Love is pure and powerful. Love is trust. Right? Thick skin, open heart. Thick skin, open heart. And as you guys practice keeping this and bringing this to difficult conversations, there might be some that you fuck up. <laughs> That's fine. Like, we've got to learn. We've got to practice this. You know, in my childhood, we didn't have many of these icky conversations. They're emotionally, you know, charged conversations from reaction, not from response. Like, you know, there was emotional entanglement. There was no idea of responsibility. So, you know, and I was a savior, so I had no thick skin, I had no boundaries. So it takes time. But the core concepts stay the same. Again, that's why what we learn in the intensives is for contemplation, guys. It's not the expectation that you, you know, do this intensive and then it's perfect. It's like we learn this through application. We learn this sometimes through getting it wrong. Right? There's a story that my shamanic teacher, Chris Waters, used to tell. And she'd say, you know, when we're learning something that's behavior change, it's like you're walking down a road and there's a big pothole. And the first time that you walk down that road, you don't know that there's a pothole there, so you fall in, right? And it takes you a really long time to get out. You're in that pothole, you're in that pothole for a long time. It takes you a really long time to get out. But the second time, that you walk down that road, you might fall in, but you now know how to get out and it's gonna be quicker, right? It's not gonna take you as long. And each time you fall in, it gets quicker and quicker to get out. And then eventually one day, you're just gonna see the pothole and you're gonna walk around it. This is personal development. This is the work, this is mastery, right? Doesn't matter how many times we fall in the pothole. We're gonna get quicker and quicker at owning it and quicker and quicker at getting out of it. And then one day you're going to realize that you don't even need to fall into it. So be patient and kind with your human self, right? That's big. It's really big. And you can apply that to anything that you learn in the school of age. Okay. But let's get into the energetics of love and money. As you can tell, my nose is blooming itchy. I sometimes put creams on it. That's really true. Um, so just bear with me as I scratch that. It's a tick that I've had since I was a child. So I always say, yeah, we can be successful in our weird, imperfect selves. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. 
But let's talk about the energetics of love and money, right? The energetics of love and money. And this is what I talked about on my free series on Instagram. Some of you saw that. I know Sandra was definitely there. Daniela says, I find it really cute. Look like a bloody bunny. My dad always says, Hannah, if you don't stop doing that, you're going to have a nose like a cabbage, like your granddad, which I'm not holding to be true, okay? <laughs> so I mentioned this on my Instagram, but I really want to go through this because it's really important. Why, 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 why would I have an intensive and I'd call it love and money? Why didn't I just do an intensive on relationships? Why didn't I just do an intensive on romantic patterns? Why didn't I just, yeah, Natalie said perfectly imperfect, exactly. Why didn't I just do an intensive on, you know, like relationships in all areas? And there's a crossover between love and money, which isn't commonly spoken about, but it's something that I faced in my business and in my romantic life and no one had told me about. So it was really a shock when it happened. And I really felt that there wasn't really much guidance around me for people speaking about these topics openly. I'm sure many people have gone through it, but there was kind of almost maybe this layer of shame about speaking about it as well. Okay. And so what I want you guys to see is statistically, right? And we know stats isn't everybody, but it shows us trends in human consciousness. That's what we're looking at. When people are in financial struggle, they're 70% more likely to get divorced. And we know that divorce doesn't mean health of relationship, but we're just using this so we've got, so we can see a trend, right? 70% of people are more likely, sorry, people that are financially struggling are 70% more likely to get divorced than average income earners. Average income earners is usually categorized as people that have been to college. And in the UK, they're on about 25,000 a year to 30,000 a year. Okay. Well, as you go up income from six figures to multi six figures to millions to billions, what we notice is the average divorce rate starts going up as well. So, financial struggle, high divorce, average income earners, lowest divorce, money goes up again, right? divorce increases. And so it's a really interesting thing to contemplate because if you're joining the school of IH, the chances are that you guys want to create wealth. And I'm going to assume, and you guys can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but I'm going to assume that you guys don't want to sacrifice love for money. I'm going to assume that you guys don't want to sacrifice a partnership for money. I'm going to assume that you guys want to have love or money. And so if you want to have love and money, we need to start asking the questions of what was happening? What's happening when money goes up, but so does divorce. And we've been sold a narrative our whole lives of like, it's because people that make money are assholes. It's because people that make money work so hard, they can't have love. It's because people that make money are out of integrity. It's because money corrupts you. It's money is evil. Like, you know, this is the story that we've been told. Now, when we fixate on that as a story, the problem is your attention is there and it's not what's really happening, what's happening beneath the surface. And if there was a theme for these three days, it's really what's happening beneath the surface, what's happening that doesn't meet the eyes, right? 
So I want us to be with the notion of it's not that money is only in the hand of assholes and assholes have relationship problems. It's not that you can't have love or money, but it is that there is a specific energetic field that we have to create if we want love and money. And it is that there is a specific set of work that we have to do if we want to rise in love or money. And the first thing is because, you know, life is a physical manifestation of our unconscious mind, as we learn in day one, any beliefs that we have around not being able to hold love or money, right? When I make more money, men don't want me or women don't want me. You can only work yourself to the bone to make money. Therefore, you don't have time for a relationship. We know that everything that we believe becomes true. Or we see life through that lens, and then that's creative. So as we come into this work for the energetics of love and money, we have to really reflect on what beliefs do I have that might be blocking the flow of love and money? And before I go to the next slide, I want you guys to share in the, in, in the chat. And I'm just going to go um, sort out my notes because it is really annoying me. And I'll be back in less than five minutes. I want you to drop in the chat. What beliefs or what stories are you consciously aware of that you think that would block the flow of love and money? Be with it. If we need to do what we did on Monday, where we ask a question and you end it, you can end it the, the sentence with, I cannot have love and money because. Two minutes, guys. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Daniela. (laughs) 
I can't have love and money because. I can't have a family and love and money because. Okay, there we go. This is the good stuff. Thank you, Jennifer. Jennifer's like, how is that the good stuff? But this is really where it's at. I can't have love and money because Sandra's saying the same as Jennifer, amazing. Anyone else? It's not acceptable, you have other things to prioritize. Okay, interesting. Because it ruins families, yep. What other things would you have to prioritize, Sandra? Just out of interest. And some of you guys might not have anything coming up and that's also fine. So I don't wanna put it in your mind if it's not a piece for you to make it a piece, okay? What ruins families, Daniela? I want you guys to be with this more because I just want us to really tap into the mass consciousness around relationships and money and harmony and family life. And the reason that I want this to bring this up is because, you know, I did a, an, an event last year and I called it the science of having it all. And I had a lot of people come up to the event. We had a lot of people sign up. It was one of our biggest events. And, um, and I ask always at the start, like, who's all in? Like, who wants to have it all in their life? And 80% of people always say, consciously, I want to have it all. I want to have money. I want to have the children. I want to have the partner. And I want the business. And that's all well and good to consciously want something. But what do we know? Consciousness, so con the conscious mind is only creating 5% of the time. It's our unconscious that creates our life 95% of the time. So if we're holding in our unconscious, money ruins families, and you have a desire to have a family, do you think that unconsciously you're gonna allow huge amounts of money in? This is why the money work is so interesting because people think it's just about strategy. That it's just about, I've got to book the right strategy and we don't realize that it's little pieces like this. The fear that, you know, if you make a lot of money that you're evil and that people aren't going to like you. And so even if you consciously say, I want to create money, right? The fear of being not liked, holds you back from actually doing it. So this is really the work. You guys know that I teach strategy and lots of you guys did multidimensional business and you know that we've got another multidimensional business happening next month and I'll teach strategy. But strategy on its own isn't enough. You can have the best strategy that's made someone millions. And if we don't work through these little unconscious beliefs that we have, it's not going to work. 
spreading my awareness of my unconscious mind, unpicking my unconscious mind is my number one practice above anything else. Because energy is energy, guys. So it's not acceptable. You have other things to prioritize. It would be greedy. I can't have love and money because I'm not good enough to hold both yet. So stuff around worthiness can come up. Another that came up the other day is that I can't succeed financially in a relationship. Yeah, a lot of people think that, especially as a woman. A lot of women unconsciously won't let themselves earn more than their partners because they fear the loss of the relationship. So then they unconsciously block and limit themselves, right? Prioritizing other people's needs before what I desire. I don't think that now at all as I just made the leap. Yeah, congratulations, Sandra. And I love how poignant it's been for you. Yeah, so Daniela says, money ruins families. I've seen this happen in my family. Yeah, and we had a story of that because in my family, I come from a, a lineage of business owners. My grandparents or my the mum of my grandparents, they had like a timber mill. And in the Second World War, it got bombed. So I came from originally a wealthy family and then they lost it all, like it all. And so the story of my family was like, don't have wealth because then you'll lose it and it can hurt. And actually, when they lost the timber mill, my great grandparents divorced. She was left with like five children. My great granddad ended up going to war at something like 14, like silly, silly young. And he was like a bomber in the plains. And it's this huge like trauma and travesty. And so we hold these things. You know, when I got into the house, my dad, the first thing, the first fear that came to him was like, fuck, hand, like more money is so much more responsibility. And it's like, you don't want to, you don't want to be in a relationship with someone if you make money, because then they're going to take it from you and it's going to be dangerous. And so there's all of these different layers. And yes, like, you know, one person earning more in the relationship does mean that there's going to have to be conversations and maybe prenups and things like this. And <laughs> this is not stuff that I ever used to think about, but it is a thing in my life. You know, me and my partner know that if we bought a place, I would be paying for it, okay? Because I'm significantly wealthier than him right now in this point of time, it might change. And he knows that there would be a prenup. And I feel very unemotional about it. And he feels very unemotional about it. But our fear to have these conversations, our fear to think of these things because they're bad and they're wrong or whatever in our heads can really block us from allowing wealth in. Because it's like, oh God, what would I do if I make more than my partner? Is that going to mean that I lose the relationship? right? Yeah, Sandra says same pattern for me. Daniela says I did two inner child alchemy processes this past week. And I can feel a lot of stuff came to the surface. I can feel continuing this process is deeply healing for me. I can already feel the shifts. Yeah, it's huge. And if you do have stuff around money, um, one of the meditations that we've done is an inner child alchemy for money. And it's it's on the private podcast. So guys, the private podcast has now got 15 meditations. There's going to be so many more added, but I'm so excited about this. So you can use that as and well as 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 and when you want. So exciting. Yeah. I love the podcast. Yeah, me too. I'm really, really happy that we've we've got that together. That's been a bit of a dream come true for me. So I just want us to be aware of this, okay? And now I want to come to a different thing. So we've got belief systems, and I'm not going to go much more into belief systems because we did a lot about belief systems in day one. You know that you can do the new truths. You know that you can do the alpha wave thing to reprogram. You know that you can do the inner child alchemies on the portal. I gave you guys loads of resources. You can use the meditations on the podcast. Today, I want to talk about something very specific. And there's lots of you guys that know what this is because you've done this with me before. 
but I will keep, 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 keep teaching this forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Because if you do want to be someone that has it all, right? And I want you to know that the language that I use is important. To have it all does not mean doing it all, okay? It doesn't mean that we have to become superwomen. You guys know that I've got a housekeeper, I've got a team, I've got, I don't do it all, but I want to have it all. And I'm dedicated to the journey of having it all, right? And the journey to having it all is actually not just a journey of like, I'm going to manifest. No, it's like, okay, how can I, through experience, witness all the blockages in myself to having it all and work through them one by one as they come up? Just like relationship work, just like all of the unconscious work, right? What have we got here? We'll need to get into those meditations. Yay, I love the podcast. Amazing, amazing. So guys, what are upper limits? Let's talk about it because this is really important. What is an upper limit? What is an upper limit? And like Natalie, Natalie knows what an upper limit is. yeah beautiful Daniela amazing anyone else what is an upper limit Okay, interesting. So you can tell Daniela has been watching the original Upper Limit live, I'm guessing, because uh, I only actually talk about that story in one recording. Um, and so if any of you guys want that recording, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's one of the first ones that I taught. Tam can tag you. Um, it's one of the guides. It will be on the podcast as well. Um, an Upper Limit is when you reach the amount of good that you can hold in your life so you self-sabotage. And I'm going to show you a little diagram. I've made some effort to get some diagrams so we can see a physical representation of this. But it's how much good you can hold, how much good feeling, okay, we can hold before we self-sabotage. When we're children, we are born into an environment where there are dominant emotions, Lots of us are born into environments where there is chaos and fear and unworthiness, right? It's not just like peace and joy and good. So when we're adults, right, and we want to create more peace, joy and good, we're going to fall into old programming that wants to get into patterns of chaos, fear, and whatever the dominant emotion was in childhood, okay? And so an upper limit is when we've reached a point of good feeling, that we feel that we have to start self-sabotaging and it's all unconscious because it's too much good. It's too much good. How can I have, how can I have 
this much good? How can I have this much good? How can I allow myself to have this much good? And what Daniela's talking about in the chat there, she's like, what did the child say? We do bad things because we don't know that we can do good ones. I can't remember the words, but it was super cute. So Gay Hendricks is the pioneer of Upper Limits. He wrote a book, it's called The Big Leap. It's um, a book that I highly recommend if you guys love to read and study. And, you know, he's been teaching Upper Limits his whole life and he's got grandkids. And um, they're like the most wholesome family you can follow on Instagram. He literally just picks up pictures of his wife, his grandkids and his cats that he brushes. Like it's 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 nourishing, it's very peaceful. Um, and he once asked his grandkids to describe what upper limits were. And I can't remember the exact wording. Maybe we can go back and get the quote. And it is something like, yeah, people do bad things because they don't know that they're allowed more good, right? People don't know that they can have more good things. People don't know that life can be good, right? So what they do is they've got to create bad things because they literally don't know that they can have more good. That's upper limits. And that's what we face in love and money because it's like a piece in people's brain. It's like, I've made it, I'm so successful in my career. It would be too good to be true to have a peaceful, loving personal life as well, right? What we notice is that people that have incredibly beautiful, powerful careers tend to self-sabotage in their relationships because they're part of them that goes, I can't hold more good. It can't be this good. These aren't the good emotions that I felt in my childhood. And even if I want good and peace and I can say that consciously, unconsciously, I'm going to keep creating the emotions of my childhood. And we can get stuck in patterns like that. So Natalie's put an upper limit is the point that you reach where you can no longer see past what you can do or give to make the changes we want. It's, it's less about that and it's more about... I've reached a limit of the good that I can accept and receive in my life. Okay. Listen to the words that I'm using because they're really important. I've got to a limit of the good that I can receive in my life. And so I self-sabotage because there's a glass ceiling. So it's like, you've got to this level of good. There's a glass ceiling. You can't see it but you can't allow more good things because you're at capacity of good. You can't receive more. It's like your limit for receiving, right? A really important part in love and money is, can I allow myself to receive money easily? Can I allow myself to receive love? And we block love and money all of the time. People are like, oh, I'll get you that coffee. And you argue, no, 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 I'll get it. Or someone gives you a compliment and you don't receive it. You're just like, oh, I can't receive that. They're glass ceilings that don't look important. But they are because they limit how much love and money we can hold in our life. And I want you to be aware of when you do things like deflect compliments. Reject someone giving you something. You know, in Spanish culture, um, or it's what I learned in my family, so I assume that it's Spanish culture. I'm not sure if it is. Spanish people, please let me know. When someone offers you something, it's polite to say no, 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 no. And then on the third time, you can say yes. So in Spain, people always ask several times because the kind of unconscious assumption is that even if people say no, 
it might be a yes because it's rude to just say yes straight away. I mean, does that make any sense? But this is what we do as humans. And we think that little things like this aren't important. But they are. When someone says, you know, take the day off, I'll get it for you. And you're like, oh no, how could I let that person work more? Um, I'll do it, I'll do it. You're literally saying to the universe, I won't receive my good. And we do this in a trillion ways every single day. Really, really important. So action step, if you want some, be aware of where you deflect and where you don't accept and you don't receive. It's really profound when someone gives something to you to just say thank you. And here's a truth that I know. If I offer to someone something and they reject it because they want to be polite or, you know, it doesn't feel good. But when you give something to someone and they're really grateful, how good does that feel? It feels so good. Like I gave this to this person and they just, they were really grateful. Fuck. I feel like I'm receiving when people do that. You know, when you get someone a Christmas gift and, you know, for my sister for, for Christmas, my sister's never had like a designer handbag or a designer dress. And we went to Marge, a designer store in Ibiza and she allowed herself to buy one dress and it was on sale. And it was like a really big, exciting thing for her. And, you know, for Christmas, I said to Craig, like, you know, I could just get her a little thing. I was like, but what do I really want to get her? I want to get her her first designer handbag. I want to go back to that store and I want to get her the dress that she really liked. But this time I'm going to get it a different color and I'm not going to get one on sale. I'm going to get a full price one. That's about just under a grand. But it was so worth it. Because when she opened it up and she tried it on and she put it up with an outfit, I was like, I'm enjoying this as much as I would have enjoyed it, Right? had I bought it for myself, if not more. I'm receiving the moment. I'm receiving, right? Her receiving. If she'd said, oh, Han, that's too much. Because she bought me something that price-wise was probably 10%. It doesn't matter. She said, oh, that's too much. I only spent this much on you. I wouldn't have felt good for me. I'm like, I wanted to give her that. You know, I make more money than Craig. So obviously when it comes to birthday and Christmas gifts, I have the capacity to spend more. For his birthday, I took him to Mallorca. I rented out a spa. I got us this rustic place. I took us for dinner every night. Each meal costs about 250. I tipped well. He never used to receive gifts from me because he felt bad. And it created this horrible dynamic within us where it was like, like it was just icky because I felt unappreciated when I was giving. And now we've talked about it and he's really like increased his capacity to receive. And I love it. We had an amazing weekend for his birthday and he was able to receive it. 
Craig gives in other ways that aren't financial. I get a lot of foot rubs. I get most of my meals cooked for me. He does the shopping. He does all of the practical things around the house. So I receive a lot in my relationship. It just looks different. And if I didn't allow myself to receive that, he probably wouldn't feel good as well. He wouldn't feel that he was able to contribute. So what I'm trying to say is that when we receive with gratitude something someone gives us, we're actually giving them an opportunity to receive too. Right? Yeah, it makes sense. In France, it's the same. Um, it's impolite to accept things from otherwise. Otherwise, you're being seen as this is the big thing. We don't want to be seen as greedy. So we don't let ourselves receive. And actually, it's ridiculous because you're not letting yourself receive something that you actually want, something that you actually desire. Can you imagine how confusing that is for the universe, right? I remember I used to do it with cakes. I'd go to, or chocolates, I'd have chocolates and I'd really want a chocolate. And then they'd offer me a chocolate and I'd have to say no, because to be polite. And then we'd play the game and finally I'd say yes. Oh, you twisted my leg, go on, then I'll have the chocolate. Like, how confusing is that for the universe? I want a chocolate, I want a chocolate. Okay, here's a chocolate. Oh, no, I don't want the chocolate. Like, you're giving the universe mixed messages. Receive. Our upper limits are our capacity for good, and our upper limits are our capacity for receptivity. Right? Daniela says, every day, I limitlessly increase the amount of good I can receive and hold. I love that, right? That's such a beautiful story. This lands in me deeply. Yeah. Notice it within yourself. Do you let life be easy? Do you let yourself receive good? The reason that I'm able to live on a 5.1 million mansion in Ibiza is because I received it. And I went through a whole lot of stuff to allow myself to receive it. Who am I to pay for this? It's ludicrous that I'm paying for this. Other people live in this way. Who do I believe? You know, it was a real thing. But that increased my capacity for receptivity. That's beautiful. Part of American culture is we're taught that nothing is free. There you go. People are always going to expect something from you in the future if you give them something for free. So don't accept it. Yeah, Daniela's like, oh, my God, that's so true. Tiny tweaks, guys, big, big shifts in our lives. Big, big shifts in our lives. So what's the unconscious programming? The unconscious programming is it's like not safe to receive because then I'll owe someone something, right? What if we redefine giving and receiving without attachment? The reason that I've been able to build a business the way that I have is that I give and I teach a lot for free and I do it without attachment. If I was attached to having to make money from everything that I do free, from you know signing clients from everything that I do free, I'd probably have a lot of resentment of which I actually don't have any resentment. For me, it's a pure joy to teach. So notice that when we are giving with expectation, which is going to create suffering. And notice that when we receive with fear or expectation as well. Natalie says, I don't listen. I give because of my Spanish culture. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And when we look inside us, it's it's never clear cut. It's like we have like 
you know, crisscross vibrations always because there's like, you know, especially, and I know a lot, attract a lot of multicultural people because I'm multicultural, right? We have different programmings and different conditionings, but just be aware of this within yourself, right? So let's go through this more. 